1: This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in there. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. we take you to the wildest places on earth
2: so how many days
1: how many days a week you spend
2: as much as i can to be honest with you anytime that i get i'm i'm out there
1: join us for every heart-pounding adventure on
3: houndsman xp i'll tell you like i tell everyone else i'm gonna hunt whether you're here
2: or not so you might as well be here
1: On this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast, we are going international. We've been running all over the place looking for great adventures and things to share with you, our audience, and Seth just returned from British Columbia on a Freedom Hunters adventure where he went and represented Freedom Hunters and Houndsman XP. We are going to get all of the details on that. To say that Seth is wound up following this adventure is a gross understatement. They saw 65 bears in five days as a hunting group combined. It was an amazing event. It was an awesome opportunity for Houndsman XP and Freedom Hunters to take veterans on this hunting adventure in an awesome place. Seth is going to lay it all out for us. He's going to break down the hunt. He's going to break down the lodging. He's going to break down the dog work. He's going to give you his insights from a very new perspective about his impressions of hunting bear with hounds. It's going to be awesome. He's also going to give you the impressions from the veterans that went on the adventure. Guys, this is an important episode. It's going to be fun. It's going to be entertaining. Lauren just got back from West Virginia recovering from her culture shock of being in Appalachia USA and she is going to talk about the cultural differences between West Virginia and Wisconsin. We are going to get that dialed up for you in just a few minutes but right now I've got to tell you about this giveaway we are doing with Go Wild. We are pumping out the message on all of our social media platforms but here's how it works. Go to your app store and download Go Wild, a social media app for outdoorsmen, for hunters, for fishermen. Anything you're doing outdoors is on Go Wild. It's where you should be sharing your content from your hunts and things like that. Nobody's going to bash you over there. Nobody's going to put you in Facebook jail. And yeah, I mentioned that other social media platform. You are not going to be a prisoner of the cultural war or giving away your data to someone who will sell it to people who will turn around and use that money against us, against hunters. But here's how it shakes out. Go to Go Wild, download the app, set up your account, and start posting on Go Wild. When you're posting, you will see an option to log time. That's where it's all going to happen, folks. You're going to log your time every time you listen to the Houndsman XP podcast. Every time you log your time, you are going to get an entry into this drawing. We are drawing for a Dakota 283 G3 medium kennel on July 1st. So from now until July 1st, you've got several opportunities to log your time. Every time you log your time, you're going to get an entry. So if you listen to 20 episodes between now and July 1st, You're going to get 20 shots at winning this Dakota 283. It's going to be shipped straight to your house. This is a $400 value just for listening to the podcast and using a social media app that supports your lifestyle. The Old South Dog Box is rocking. It's about to come apart. We cannot contain Seth much longer. Let's get the doors open. It's time to dump the box. Briar Creek Kennels is your complete hound hunting outfitter. Boots, lights, collars, and tracking equipment. Dog boxes, kennel supplies, collars, clothes, squalors. Whew, they have it all. Briar Creek Kennel is a garment and dog trade dealer. Owner Chris Girth will ensure Briar Creek Kennel customers will get top of the industry customer service. Whether you purchase from their website or you find them at a major coonhound event, Chris and his staff will share expert knowledge and experience about every product they offer. Chris Gerth is a top competitor and breeder of hounds. He knows what gear you need to be successful. Look for Briar Creek Kennels on the web for a complete online store or look at their fully stocked trailer at any major coonhound event. Briar Creek Kennels, offering a hound hunting public generations of excellence. Yeah. All right, so we have no idea where Lauren is, as usual. That's no mystery.
3: That's no mystery there. <laughs> where do you think she's at? Uh, probably running, uh, or scurrying frantically while yelling at dogs. Probably. I'm thinking
1: that's probably a good. I I was thinking probably like she was had been in the shower and then she realized that she left the back door open. So about this time she's running across the back field in a bath towel, totally wet hair, barefooted, yelling river Ridge. Ridge! <laughs>
3: yeah. It's probably not I'm too thinking. far off. I, I think either one of these hypotheses is probably right on the money. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh man. Well, we're going to do a point blank. We're going to, we, we've been running all over the world. You especially like you had a huge trip to Canada for freedom hunters. And it was, I, I was worried about you. I was worried about you when you got started, but I think it all came together. And, uh, I've been down South picked up another Yog Terrier after, uh, Krieger met his dem- demise. And I've got another yog now. He's got a little more hair on him. His name's Tough, Tough. And And uh, went down and got Burkholder up to speed and then swung back up through North Carolina. And I got to tell you about, we're not going to cover all this on the podcast that I recorded with uh, John Broadhurst, but that guy is a wealth of knowledge. I mean, he's written two books. He's carved walking sticks. Um, in the English, you know, it's a custom in England, customary to carry a walking stick. And he's got, I don't even know how many he had, but he's got several uh, wood carvings that he has cast in bronze. So he's got bears heads. He's got beagles. He's got terriers. He's got, I think he's got some uh, side hounds and things like that that he's mounting on top of these things. Let me grab mine real quick. I'll show you my newest. What a badass. <laughs> he's crazy.
3: He's wild. He clearly Very... has good tastes. <laughs> yes.
1: Hang on a second. I'm going to grab it. So th- this is my second one, and uh, I'm going to try to hold Whoa. it up here where you can. Oh my gosh. That is awesome. So that's a bronze bear head that he's cast on top of this walking stick. And then the band right here is a uh, burled Oak. And it's a, uh, it, it was a, whoa, the shaft on the, on the, uh, walking stick had a vine wrapped in it. So it, it looks like it's spiraled all the way down. And, uh, I forget what he told me. This was, I'm going to have to ask him again. I think he said this one was, um, a pair. It was a, it was a Carolina pair. So, and then it perfectly, I had to put a tip on it and a 20 gauge brass tip. I just cut it down a little bit and then cut the brass off of a 20 gauge shotgun shell and made a hard tip for it so that I didn't splinter or uh, wear the end down too quickly. Wow. So basically
3: folks, there's like a spiral groove running down the entire length of the shaft and it's like embedded where this vine grew through it. Yeah. It's it's deep. Really red
1: too. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he's got all these, but then he's got, um, he's got, uh, hunting horns and different things there at his house, which he can blow. I record a little bit of him, uh, blowing some of the uh, calls on a traditional Fox hunt and he was a huntsman in England. He was uh one of two red jacket Beagle packs and they ran Beagles. That's amazing. <laughs> yep. Maybe yep. that'll be my next stop. <laughs> I wanna I wanna go over there and witness that. And uh, we talked about everything. We talked about everything from uh working terriers. That was his that was kind of his gig. He still he still got several Jack Russell's and um uh, he he, bear hunts with plots on the Carolina coast. He's in a hunting club over there. But uh, John came from England twenty about twenty five years ago in ninety eight, I guess um, twenty four years ago now. So super interesting guy.
3: Well, probably a lot more interesting than me, but not as interesting as the person who just logged on. Hey, there snuck, she is. She she did snuck log in on. there. <laughs>
2: yep. Yeah. Hey, Lauren. You know, just got done mowing lawns and breaking up dog fights. So
1: uh, we were, I taken was close. Back. I was yes.
3: close.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I had you pegged as like getting out of the shower and realizing you left the back door open. So you're running Chasing, across the trying back... to
2: find dogs.
1: Yeah. Back, <laughs> backfield with a bath towel and wet hair yelling
2: Ridge. <laughs> it's probably happened.
3: Uh, oh, I know it's happened.
2: I've seen I d- it. <laughs> I didn't have any dogs in the house for the last like five hours today. So mm,
3: mm, mm. I'm, I'm ac- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. pretty much. I'm actually sitting in the exact office that I first talked to Chris Powell to join the on XP team right here. This is a conference no room. I'm kicking it on the exact same couch, except now I'm a lot more comfortable. When I was first talking to Chris, I was do it walking circles around this thing and i probably burned a trail into the carpet doing circles
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no doubt
3: coming full circle coming from the great north <laughs> my big adventure with houndsman xp it's kind of surreal to be back in this little room talking lauren's about has been on
1: the road too let's get lauren's story before we because i the the Freedom Hunters thing sets you've already queued us up. You're going to totally dominate the conversation, which is great. <laughs> and because uh, well, we want to hear all about it.
2: Well, my story is way less interesting. It has nothing to do with dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it was nice to kind of get out of Dodge, literally. I live in Dodge County um, and see another place. And man, was it another place. I went to West Virginia and. I did not realize how ingrained Wisconsin culture was in my life until I got to West Virginia.
3: How so? <laughs> Can you, what, what was
1: different? How,
2: what do you think that means? Um, <laughs> well, um, they, they don't really drink there. So are you talking about like, Wisconsin what? level
3: drinking or and just normal like, American ah, drinking.
2: Any drinking, like, having a beer in the fridge at some point ready for some time.
1: Do you want any beer in the fridge?
2: No, Hmm. no, but that's okay. Like that's fine. But there's just like not as many like restaurants, pubs, bars, whatever, like diners along the way, like just to like go in and socialize. Like that's what little town people do is you go to the local tavern And you have yourself a fish fry and you have a couple beers and you socialize. And there it's like, well, you got to hike a mountain and go find some people in the woods. And that's that.
1: Are you kidding me? (laughs) There are, there are not taverns like you know of. Those are beer joints in uh, West Virginia and the ladies, auxiliary at the local church cruises by there to make sure to see who is at the beer joint so that they can put them on the prayer list. At the <laughs> <local church. laughs>
2: That's so, probably what it is. We did see like the un-American Legion, I think, or it was a VFW. I don't remember. It was one of those. And I was yeah. like, Oh, well that looks open. They probably have beer, but the parking lot was pretty empty.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, but No, it's a different culture. There's country stores. Um, but in West Virginia and down this down this way, if you you talk about get when you told me the first time that you're going to the bar for a fish fry, I had this idea of, oh, they're having an event where they're having a fish fry, you know, because when we have a fish fry, we invite friends over to our house. We've caught some fish and we're like having a big, big outdoor shindig. Yeah, it's, yeah, big outdoor shindig. And you're like, oh, I'm going to go get my fish fry I'm like. You can get a fish fry?
2: <laughs> this is when, when I told you or just any Wisconsinite.
1: No, when you told me.
2: Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like a Friday thing, and you get, I mean, if you like old fashions, that's what you get, if that's what you're into. But mm-hmm. Friday fish fry is a thing in Wisconsin, and you huh. it's it's like a lifetime search in order to find the bar with the best fish fry and the best ambiance and like everything put together. And if you ever find that in your lifetime, you've won the lottery, but you're yeah. always on the hunt for the place.
1: I've got a story about Geta that goes along with that, but we won't tell it now. But, uh, we were on a, we were on, a, I'll tell it. We were on a search <laughs> for the perfect Geta and we traveled around to every breakfast joint in the tri-state area. And um, when we are on, Boat Patrol.
2: What's a Getta?
1: Yeah, look it up. Um, So it's a German, it's a Cincinnati thing. It's like a German blend sausage. And uh, we looked all over, me and one of my partners that I worked with, and we drove all over the Tri-State. Every time we saw a place, a little joint, we'd stop and say, you got Getta? Yep, let's have some. And we, we found it, and it was right under our noses. It was right over here at Cross Plains Best Buy, Grocery store at Cross Plains. They serve breakfast. Best getta I ever had.
2: Hmm. I'm glad you got your getta.
1: I did. See, <laughs> I need it's to. Like I need to try personal. that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll
3: send you some. I'll send you some. I ate more bear sausage in my la- in the last week than I have in my entire life. So there's my sausage experience.
2: <laughs> like smoked <laughs> summer sausage and like cooked sausage and all the all the sausages you can handle.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. So, Lauren, where did you go? You
2: went over to Josh and Josh and Rochelle Hedricks area, neck of the woods, um, in cabins, West Virginia. Um, so it's kind of like in like the little like thumb part of West Virginia, in the mountains there, and did a beginners fly fishing course that was like all women, and enjoyed my time doing that. I think fly fishing is pretty cool. Um, uh, one, another expensive hobby to add to the list. Um, <laughs> it's like everything I do, I want to keep going and doing, but, um, yeah. So learned how to, uh, false cast and roll cast and learned how to tie knots and didn't tie my own flies, but I tied the flies onto my tippet. Yeah. I did not know what, what a tippet was. I was like, well, that just looks like fishing line. Um, <laughs> Uh, then we got to go on uh, rafts and float down the river and fish while we were doing that. Uh, there were some rapids. So that was cool. Um, stood in the river and fished for a while. Just uh, had some time talking with the ladies, listening to a girl strum her guitar, played some games. Um, okay. Did some so hiking. Who did you go with? <laughs> I went with, with my friend Allie.
1: Yeah. So you yeah. went with other the other went with another hound dogger out there mm-hmm. to see hound doggers and
2: it didn't do you any hound dogging.
1: No, none. <laughs> no. Because yeah. you you borrowed a car, you stole your brother's car and drove out there.
2: Yeah. Grand Theft Auto just took it from Milwaukee and left the Tacoma uh, back in, in the burbs and took the car out there, which was a great choice saved a lot of money on gas. I uh, was not expecting not anticipating all the tollways. And Chris was like that's a death trap. When I texted him that Illinois can go somewhere else or and Indiana I was saying, Indiana. Ugh.
1: Yeah, well nobody drives on the toll road unless you've got an easy pass up in the northern. That's where that's like the purgatory for every trooper in the state that gets in trouble they send you to the toll road <laughs> oh and uh it's it, it was always horrible and you get up by gary and places like that but they're in any road that's worse than the toll road around chicago
2: that place is horrible
1: and you're probably still going to get a bill for like 400 dollars for driving on that third world road
2: we'll see um i think we're gonna end up spending half of what we spent in gas on tolls so i think we spent around 200 dollars in gas the whole time And I'm pretty sure for the tolls there and back, it's going to be like a hundred bucks.
1: Here's a, here's a public service announcement for anyone that's traveling from Wisconsin to anywhere east of Indiana. If you've got to go to Pennsylvania, stay off the toll road, just drop down to uh, Peoria and then take I-70 into Indianapolis, hit 70. uh, No, I'm sorry. I-74 out of Peoria, Indianapolis, then take 70 over to columbus ohio he all thinks the way, he knows everything all the whole way i told, I'm
2: telling I, told, you. I told him that wasn't gonna work we were on a time crunch
1: and you would have been time ahead by the time you spent sitting at toll booths i
2: didn't we didn't spend any time
1: road. yeah but i, did I would get never to, drive across the toll road
2: i got to see um my friend brooke on the way back we stopped in medina i had interviewed her gosh over a year ago she's got the two um blue english dogs that she rescued, and she's got the English pointers. Yeah. And so I got to visit her. You
1: recorded a podcast with her.
2: Yeah. Yep. So I stopped yeah. stopped in to see her, got there at, like, midnight, and then we were just we we're done. We crashed and then woke up and went to breakfast and saw her funny farm. She's got, like, a thousand different kinds of, like, ducks and chickens and multiple horses and... She- English pointers, like three of them, plus she just got this little brown missile, a field bred, like UK bred um, cocker spaniel named Whiskey. Oh,
1: I thought he was a boycom when
3: I saw pictures of him.
2: No, he is, but he is awesome. He oh. is an awesome little dog, but yeah. that's too
3: much energy in one household. Three English pointers, that's just crazy. Three
2: English pointers, two English coonhounds, and a puppy um cocker spaniel
3: as wow. much as i like greyhounds i sometimes feel that i'm more at heart like an english pointer this just like high drive frantic you are. energy just oh, like you are. zipping around but
2: <laughs> that's why you have your kind of dog to balance you out
3: yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> good else,
3: inspiration <laughs> or else
2: your house would be just like complete adhd central
3: they would never come in. I have one half bird dog. That is enough in the house. She's insane and has only three legs. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> I had to slow her down somehow. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: Seth, this is your show, man. We even called it the uh, Seth Bueller's Day Off Trip. <laughs> I, <And> I, yeah. <laughs> start, roll with it. Tell us about that trip to, and tell us where you went and everything.
3: Yeah, so uh, Freedom Hunters, uh, Anthony Pace reached out to me, and obviously you did too. And about three weeks before, you guys were like, hey, you want to go to British Columbia? And I was like, is the sky blue? Right. <laughs> yeah, duh. <laughs> so uh, I made all that work out. First thing I realized is that international travel in the COVID era sucks. And uh, I was it was very much a headache to get all my paperwork together. So guys, if you're planning on going anywhere right now, Make sure you get i'm a total amateur at travel uh, this is my first international travel even though i live like 30 miles from mexico to me that's you've not never really f- been to mexico i have but as i say that's not like foreign travel to me that's just like an extension <laughs> of like my li- my life you know and so yeah. uh there's not much difference between where i live in juarez like it's just an and a rolling extension right. so uh uh, yeah, so uh make sure you have all your stuff figured out before you go. It was kind of a, a pain, but long story short, I got to Canada. I, first thing that surprised me is when I was going through the We're the not terminal. Hey, we're not
1: skip, we're not skipping over customs. I got to get the whole scoop cuz you yeah. you were sending me these messages and you're like
2: this is horrible. I it would was. never
1: if I had known this, I would have never come and you know and, and I was looking I was at like, those
2: messages and I was like this guy has no idea what he's in for. Like it's really not that hard, but no, I feel it
3: like wasn't. he's whining. Their
1: search a name. Body the cavities. Thing,
3: the thing was is that like this was, all the all the complaining I did was even before I got to Canada because and it was all COVID stuff, all of it. If there was no COVID stuff, it would have been easy, easy, easy. And I'm going to be very honest, and I'm just going to say it right up front. Getting into Canada was so much easier and more efficient than coming back to the United States. Really? Yeah, their their system is way more organized, way more streamlined, and makes a lot more sense. I'm just I'm sorry, um, I am Team America, but yeah, man, it was so much better going into Canada. So uh, I got well, all my paperwork. Let's,
1: let's think about this for real. I mean, you're from New Mexico, you're traveling to Canada for a few days, and you're coming back to the United States. I mean, they're thinking New Mexico, thirty-some-year-old hippie. He's a tweaker, or yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's what they were
3: thinking. <laughs> They're like, "Ow, this guy." Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, I made it. I made it into customs, and I was just not prepared. I, you don't even know how many times I made sure all my paperwork was right. And I'm the kind of guy that I am not super prideful. I'll ask somebody for help, and so I immediately was just talking to some of the Canadian people in the Vancouver gate. And I was just like, "Hey, like, do I have anything?" And they're like, "They're like, hey, don't worry, man. Like, you got everything. You wouldn't even have made it this far if all your stuff wasn't good." And so I was like, "Good, good." I get there late at night. Uh, I'm walking through customs, and there's this like pretty imposing lady sitting at the the booth, and she's like, <laughs> "She's like, what are you doing here?" And I was like, I- "I'm hunting." She's like, "Where's your gun?" And I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, just totally blew me <laughs> off guard. I was He's like, I, 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 "I was like, I don't have one." she's like oh i was like i'm watching I'm, I'm just gonna go to observe and she's like you came all the way to canada to observe and i was like uh yeah i work for a podcast and then they're like what podcast and i was like houndsman xp she's like never heard of it enjoy your time in canada and i was like
2: <laughs> okay should, why
1: didn't you set her up and make sure that we've got another listener in canada
3: i know well i was just like you know
1: those like, numbers
2: <laughs> those are rookie numbers
3: <laughs> I was just like I just want to go like I just want to get out of here anyway so um yeah I got through there and then I got to my room I met one of the hunters from the the Freedom Hunters group his name is Jason uh marine and he was in for a long time I think he just retired recently uh I didn't really want to bugger him with too many questions I figured the people that want to talk to me will come and talk to me so I just did the very casual introduction and then I went to bed <laughs> and uh Next time, uh we just get to uh, we get to Smithers. It's a 14 and a half hour drive, but if you fly, it's 1 hour. Planes are awesome and the Canadian Rockies are just stunning. I just could not believe how I mean, I'm used to big mountains, but they were all snow-capped, gorgeous mountains with these like really pristine and really really uninhabited river valleys below. And What size was,
1: plane did you fly on from I
3: flew in a uh Bombardier. So it's a turbo prop like two two on each side two seats on each side kind of small but i mean there was still the plane was all the way full and i was so excited you guys because all the stress of getting there was gone and i don't know if you guys know this about me but i really like to talk to random people and so i (laughs) (laughs) so i sat next to this guy who was sitting next to me And I leaned over to him and I was like, hey, what's Smithers like? And he looked at me and he just growled at me in French and just looked straight ahead. And I was like, okay, never mind.
2: (laughs) Darn Americans. I
3: I know. I was like, oh, you can speak English. I know someone who's lying about speaking English. I live in New Mexico. Like, don't you dare do that. (laughs) But anyway, so yeah, uh, we get to Smithers and the the, um, Babine Guide Outfitters crew was there to pick us up. And uh, we just went straight into the mountains. Their, what, their whole, what was the
1: name of the outfitting,
3: outfitter again? Babine Guide Outfitters. Okay. And uh, we are heading out to a place called Tukey Lodge. And I learned all this on route. So <laughs> I was like, yeah, uh, when we get there, you guys, it, it's just so picturesque. So I'm gonna, um, before I preface all this, patrons, stay tuned. Literally everything I'm talking about I have video of when I went to Oregon, I was totally uh, Lauren's our social media person. I am kind of a Luddite, unfortunately, but I'm getting better. (laughs) And so what I've learned, (laughs) what I've learned is that, uh, you need a lot of footage to distill down into something good. So when I was in Oregon, I took a lot of footage and I only got about five, maybe 10 minutes of good video out of that. Guys, the episode I'm making for the Patreon page is 57 minutes long. It's epic. Tons of treeing action, trailing action, so stay tuned. But what I meant by that is this view from our lodge was just breathtaking. Babine Lake is 140 miles long. Wow. Yeah, right. And so it's also like, I don't know, between like three to one mile wide. And so these lodges... This outfit was so professional, like so beautiful, so well taken care of. All their lodges were just like stunning. And I'm from New Mexico. Like I know ramshackle and I'm okay with it. I was just blown away at how unbelievably nice their grounds were taken care of. And they they had a bunch of different cabins. So all of us hunters had our own room, which was great. I didn't know what to expect there. And uh, yeah, it was just stunning. And of course, the first thing I did was get settled in and then immediately go find the dogs. And so I uh, found the guy Lloyd who uh, handles the hounds and uh, I pretty much introduced myself. A lot of people didn't, nobody knew I wasn't hunting. And when I explained, I came all the way up there just to help out with the dogs and learn as much. All those guys were like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, you just traveled like 3000 miles to just watch dogs. And I was like, yep. (laughs) And I'm really excited. (laughs) That is cool. That is cool. So um, you guys feel free to to chime in. I, I don't want to dominate oh, with will. this epic monologue, but uh, it didn't take long for the action to start. The The second I walked in to Tukey Lodge, I looked into their skinning shed and they had a wolf hanging up there. And I don't mean a wolf. I mean a wolf. This thing was a hundred pound wolf. And I was like, oh my goodness. Because I'm used to Mexican wolves and right. like a big mexican wolf a big one weighs 55 pounds right they're like a coyote yeah mexican wolf is like
2: a wisconsin coyote
3: (laughs) yeah for real yeah so i knew that i mean that's totally bergman's rule like in wildlife the farther north you go the bigger bodied things get and so i knew to expect that and obviously but man when you see a hundred pound wolf hanging up you're just like dang (laughs) (laughs) it it puts things in perspective doesn't
1: it because yeah Our houndsmen in the Rocky mountains are seeing those things all the time and they're dealing with them every time they turn dogs loose or there's always maybe not directly dealing with them, but, but knowing that they may have to deal with that.
3: Yeah. And obviously you guys, like, I don't have to deal with that problem, but when I saw that wolf on not even day one on like minute one, it just hit me like a meteor that I'm like, this is what people are dealing with out here. Like, this is insane. This thing would eat you, like eat yeah. you, not me, not my dogs. You know what I mean? Like this thing was massive. And so that, the first thing I was thinking is like, man, it would really suck to hunt with dogs where this thing lives, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, uh, they, they actually trap and hunt them pretty heavily there. And, uh, we had literally zero issues with wolves. Um, we'll get there. Cause I thought about it often, <laughs> But yeah, we, we, they, they skinned out this huge wolf. The lodge was unbelievably beautiful. Everything was outfitted. So I didn't have to lift a finger. I just was helping out where I needed to be, but day two got started you guys. And well, before I get there, uh, and I'm not gonna, man, I, I, I don't really want to lay it out all out. You know what I mean? I don't, I, that could be a long time, but the dogs that they were using, that's what I thought was super cool. I, I always like to see the regional variations, And this is my first time bear hunting uh, like out of New Mexico. And the dogs they use there are like traditional hounds that you were thinking of. But they also are huge fans of Karelian bear dogs there. And I was super keen on figuring out how that guy works. And you guys like I'm not a super experienced bear hunter. But by the end of this trip, I get it. Like that was super fun. And the bear density is crazy. So How How many bear trees did you walk to? I walked up to three bear trees. We ran uh, five bears, but as a whole, the group saw nearly 70. So there's what? no short. Sure- yeah. Yeah. So the, the group together saw In around like 70.
2: four days?
3: Five days. That, yeah. What? Yeah. So just driving many, the road, we saw How many 12. hunters? How many hunters uh, were on this Freedom Hunters adventure besides six you? Six hunters. Uh, five hunters and me. Okay. So yeah. Yep. No, false. Six hunters and me. I got a special ticket because I wasn't hunting. <laughs> so uh, I was cheap and easy. <laughs> that was my, uh, that was my college name. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, there were six hunters and they had obviously, you know, six guides. I stuck with Lloyd. When I say Lloyd is like a, a badass of the Northwoods, every guide there, I, I spent a lot of time talking he, to the guides.
2: Is he the king and, of the North?
3: And, dude. That everybody was North. like, everyone would take this like candor with me when I was talking to him and they'd be like, dude, Lloyd's really hardcore and he really knows what's up. And like when all the guides say that in like a candid tone, they weren't joking. Lloyd is a badass. And like the, and way, well, he what? Could, like, the way he tracked, moved through there, like the way he was able to just navigate that forest. Like I'm no wussy hiker. Like I'm just going to say that right off the bat. I can hike with the best of them. But just it takes practice to move through that kind of forest. The forest I'm used to is like um, – it, it can be dense, but this is dense on a whole nother level. Like yeah. the spruce trees are touching. The understory is this just nightmare of windfall covered with snow. So you can't really see the ground very well, and you fall through a lot and and just like crush your ankles on all this fallen timber. And And where there's no snow, it's just – it just illuminates how depressing the ground is and so you just have this this like tangle of windfall and debris everywhere not to mention devil's club and other like terrible stinging nettles and stuff and so the way he just like moved through all that was really impressive and also his tracking ability was incredible and he's a really knowledgeable tracker i'm I'm sorry trapper So trappers know the wildlife better than anybody. And he taught me how they set link sets and wolf sets and like all kinds of sweet Martin traps and stuff. And just, I could, I could just like really see and respect this guy's decades of knowledge in this one area. That's kind of how I feel when I'm in New Mexico, but I'm not as old as him and he hunts for a living. So he's on a whole nother level, you know,
2: trappers. If you become a trapper, if you are a trapper, you just know that area and you know how, all the wildlife co-mingles and moves around so much better than even if you were just a raccoon hunter, just a bear hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Like, And one thing
1: I was just going to add, that's what I love about going and hunting new areas with new people, you know, just watching and observing and seeing how they do things. And, you can tell the guys that are faking it and you can tell the guys that have been there before and they know what's, they know what's going on. I'm the guy that they turn around look at and faking it, you know, <laughs> that's what I, that's what I feel like when I go. But, um, you know, when you're with those guys that those hunters that are so good at what they do, it looks effortless and the way they do things. And that's what I've always strived for to get out there on the Houseman XP podcast is, uh, man, there's so much to learn from so many different people. And Definitely. when we when we start internalizing and thinking that we're it,
3: man, get out and take your blinders off, put your ego aside and
1: yeah, learn wake up. stuff.
2: Learn <laughs> yeah. stuff.
3: Yeah, and, and that's the thing too is um I know this sounds crazy, especially to the HXP audience or Lauren, people that really know me in person, but I really focused on having two ears, one mouth so i was and lloyd's a very soft-spoken person so i didn't want to overwhelm him with my energy and so um i just stayed a lot more subdued and asked him questions just kind of peered into his mind as best i could and by the end of the week we were really good friends i felt and like i mean i hung out at his house with him in a more far more personal level so um i love making friends and it was really easy um you know especially quiet people like that i think um and people that have been doing it for a long time, I think they really enjoy the freshness of having someone who's like super eager to learn, who's like a complete ally of what they're doing, and is also like really excited about what they're doing. When they reach that like mentor stage, I think it's really exciting to have a younger person who's just so into what they're doing. And, and I, you know, he didn't say that outright, but he said that kind of in a roundabout way. And I've been told that by like David Church when I was in Oregon. So, you know, I just kept the helpfulness at a maximum always being available to help anywhere I could. And also, um, just being super pumped, which is not hard for me at all.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It was probably refreshing for them. A lot of the outfitters that I know, you know, people are paying them. And so when they come to their, their outfit and their camp, they really don't, they don't look for ways to help. They, it's like, it's like this you go to a restaurant, you're paying for a meal, you don't go back and cook it and you don't carry it out yeah, for yourself. Absolutely and a lot of times when outfitters get people in camp that are legitimately interested in what they're doing, it's kinda like it's kind of like what's your angle or <laughs> hey,
3: come back anytime. Yeah. And and so that I just wanted to not be like that. So I just wanted to be super duper helpful. And I mean, obviously I'm a dog guy, so I'm not afraid to get into the pens and grab dogs and he, he only has four dogs. He has a great handle on all of them, so that made it really nice. Um, they're really well-trained, and I was really excited to see that Carillion in action. He'd been telling me good things about him, and I just had a hard time picturing what it was going to be like because they oh. don't trail.
2: How old was that dog? Is it is Okay, so it's not a litter mate to the one that I hunted with. No. that one was like two.
3: Wait, yeah. you hunted Wait. with one?
2: Dallin has one. Oh. Yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah. So no, this one, uh, this one is five and, uh, his name was Gomer. He was everybody's favorite. First of all, they, he just had a different energy than the hounds, a different vibe, if you will. He was very, um, very exuberant. He kind of, I mean, Google what a Karelian bear dog looks like, but you know, he just kind of looks like an overgrown Pomeranian sort of. And, uh, he was super friendly and exuberant and he kind of had a pet vibe to him sort of, even though he's not. And, uh, you know, they just hunt wildly different than the hounds. And I, I'm a guy who likes to combine the different strengths and weaknesses of a different, like, set of dogs hunting together. What a compliment to a bear pack. Holy right, smokes. So tell me...
1: T- tell us how they use that Carillion bear dog. Yeah. So, so is this I was,
2: four hounds plus the Carillion or three, four, three hounds plus the Carillion?
3: Yes. Three hounds and the Carillion bear dog. Okay. Four dogs. Okay. This This is how... They use the Karelian bear dogs here in Canada, at least how Lloyd uses them. So the Karelian bear dog, as I understood it, and as I saw, they don't have the endurance of a hound. That's the first thing that just blew me away. Like I can get up on a high horse about my dogs being these like super athletes of the dog world. But you guys, we had a nine hour race and the hound stuck with it the entire time. That is unbelievable. So the Karelian bear dog just doesn't have that kind of endurance. They have a super hot nose. Okay. They hunt by drifting the scent or smelling the bear in the air, literally Mm -hmm. air scenting the bear. And so they're kind of like a furry sight hound in a way they, they sniff a super hot bear track and just, I mean, floor it into the forest. Like I could not believe how fast Gomer moved through the forest and he gets right up behind a bear And he only opens when he sees the bear. So it is so cool to just be like, when you are listening out there and you just hear, oh, he sees the bear. And then when you look at your Garmin and you see that little purple arrow that is Gomer, that's 400 meters ahead of the hounds, like 500 meters ahead of the hounds. He's looking right at the bear. So it's like you see the hounds all stacked up trailing and moving and pushing that track and then you see this purple arrow like moving fast through the forest. That's Gomer and the bear. He's standing <laughs> right behind the bear barking at it the whole time. So it's kind of cool to be like the bear's right there. The hounds are right there. And so like he until and he followed this bear for like 3 hours until the hounds were able to catch up and he's just standing <laughs> behind this bear barking at it the whole time. And so, so- Do you think that
2: speeds the bear up so that the hounds have to work harder to even try and get there?
1: I'm curious as well on that question. And then Seth has a technical difficulty with his microphone.
2: Yeah. So I'm like (laughs) wondering, and he doesn't have to answer, but like I'm just kind of like rhetorically talking, I guess. It like is the dog just kind of minding by you and then it hears the hounds like opening up and knows that they're closer. So he runs in, gets a whiff of the scent gets in there and then who jumps like way ahead on the track. Um, I don't know. Uh, Seth is still trying to figure this out. Well, I think it's foreign,
1: to, it's, it's foreign to us because we've never hunted with that style of a dog. You know, Seth was talking about scent, and he was talking about some of that stuff. You take the a dog like the Krillin Bear Dog, and he is he's not a ground tracker like our hounds are. A hound's natural instinct is their head sets lower, and they're trying to find that scent from the shoulder down. Whereas a lot of the shepherds and spits, and you know those types of dogs, they naturally have a higher headset. So it's something that um, we're not, as houndsmen, traditional type houndsmen, we're not real familiar with. And I was totally intrigued with that Corellian. The other is the, uh, the other type dog is the uh, one that. The Leica? There you go. Yeah, the Leica, the Siberian Leica. Sounds like something like that. Houndsman XP is very proud of our partnership with the organization Freedom Hunters. Freedom Hunters is a nonprofit organization that takes America's veterans hunting from field to field, from the battlefield to a field near you when you volunteer your time to take America's warriors hunting with you and your hounds. It's easy. Go to houndsmanxp.com, click on the partnership tab, and it will take you to Freedom Hunters. You can go direct to their website to make donations at freedomhunters.org. Support America's heroes. Let's pay it back. Visit Freedom Hunters at freedomhunters.org or go to houndsmanxp.com and you can find them on our website from field to field. All right, so so the question was, all right, so you get a you get a bear track going. Is he is he dropping that grillian with his hounds from the very beginning? Or is he waiting for them to work out a cold track and then
3: jump the bear and then send him? It depends. So both, yes and no. So it, it, the the Carillion will only rig if the scent is super sharp, super fresh, right? So if, if Gomer starts opening from the box, he just lets everyone go and they just Brow! take off. And the bear density is so high that we started a bear track. The bear just ran across the road and and that we just let everyone out and they just go and gomer just flies ahead of the hounds and gets right on the bear um if it's a super cold track uh he does not let him out he'll he'll hold him back until the arrow starts moving towards a road and he'll drive up and he'll hold gomer in his hands and when the bear runs across the road, he goes, "Go get him!" And he, him and he, goes, <laughs> and he takes off running, and it was so cool. Patrons, I have a video of him doing that. So uh, get ready. The bear just ran across the road, and he he's like running out with Gomer in his arms, and he goes, "Go get him!" And just like lets him go, and he just
2: That's takes awesome. off into the woods. Has Gomer so, ever put enough pressure on a bear by himself to get that bear to tree?
3: Um, the day I was there, no. And uh, I asked if he's the case. And uh, Gomer, he's not super gritty. He just yaps behind him. Mm -hmm. He he thinks that maybe if the pack was bigger, it may be more intimidating. But he has a small pack. He likes to keep it small just so he has an easy handle on his dogs. And he um, just doesn't want to feed a bunch of dogs, really. So they're working. And, And I think he's very hesitant to put down... And again, this is after days of just kind of asking him millions of questions and I wrote a bunch of stuff down so I could make sure I'd remember it. All right. But, um, he doesn't really turn out on cold tracks because the bear density is so insane. Why would you like, let's run a bear that just came through recently instead. So, uh, we turned out on all relatively hot tracks. Um, we would just let him rig, and the first thing any amateur bear hunter needs to learn, you guys, is anytime a dog barks, that does not mean they're rigging on a bear. <laughs> that was the first thing that I learned. Uh, this, the dogs that open, I'd be like, oh, yes, like, let's go, let's go. And then he's like, no, it's just a moose. And I'm like, <laughs> bam. did but- he check
2: the track or he just knew the way that his dogs were barking? It wasn't as legit. i
3: <clears throat> um, both. But he had one his one of his dogs. His name is Willow. Uh, she's really honest. And she was really good about not opening until she smelt a bear. And we let her out to start every track. And yeah, she's really legit. That was super cool. I got tons of footage of her starting tracks too. So uh, she would just get a bear track going. And then we'd cut in. uh, He has a blue tick named Chappie. Dude, Chappie is a beast. Chappie is an epic beast. (laughs) He trails super fast. And he, to me, that's what a hound should sound like. I mean, he has that beautiful, loud, long bay and it's just music to, to someone like me who lives in a quiet world. That is just amazing. And and Chappie, he could just cover ground. And what was cool is he could hear Gomer barking when he got closer to the trail and you could see him speeding up as he would hear Gomer looking at the bear. He would start gaining ground on the track and moving much quicker than the black and tans. And he would get get up on the bear with gomer all the time by just listening to gomer as like a homing beacon and just running down the track as quick as he could and then he'd stop if he sometimes he'd overrun it make a quick loss turn around figure it out and then go again which i thought was also incredible but when we were hiking at one point our average speed was one mile an hour that's how thick it was dude gomer was running through there at 15 miles an hour
2: so
3: what? Like, yes. <laughs> that is crazy. Flooring it through that stuff, and I'm just like, I don't know how he can move that quickly. It's a nightmare in there, and yeah, it was incredible. So, uh, the the Karelian hunts with a super hot nose, and uh, he, he it makes sense. You know, there's no. I asked Lloyd this question. I said, "How did you hunt here before Garmins? Because the dogs would be 300 meters away. You can't even hear them. The forest is so thick." And he's like, "Well, you couldn't. We didn't." It was all farther south where the forests are more open. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But you can with the Carillians because they catch up to the bear super fast and they only go after a bear that was there like an hour or less. So in back in the day, they gain on that bear so quick that I could hear Gomer barking, looking at the bear most of the time. Like you could, you could listen carefully out the truck window and you could hear, and he's like a little machine gun, like walking behind that bear. And it was just so cool to be like, oh, damn, they see the bear. Like, it was such a cool insurance policy to just know, like, when they see the bear. <laughs> and I just thought that was really rad. The, the style is way different, but his big weakness is his distance. He really can't go more than about eh, two hours, and he's like overheating big time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah those, so. those fluff balls. Chris, I, mean, muted, brother. I was wondering too, like, with how fluffy they are, like, the collar, it, can they get it tight enough for, like, the prongs to even get there? Oh, yeah.
3: You can. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. It just looks like a plush doll wearing, like, an orange an orange GPS collar. Yeah. <laughs> so how big a dog are we talking about here? Gomer was about 50 pounds. Okay. He looked bigger in your pictures. It's because he's, like, eight inches of fur. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you shaved him down, he probably looks like a coyote. That would be my guess. <laughs> He's surprisingly athletic though. And I was blown away at the teamwork, but I'll be honest. And I'm not just saying this. I was more impressed with the hounds because you guys like that level of endurance is just insane. They, we had one race that was nine hours. They had the bear in front of them for about seven of those hours. And those dogs never stopped barking and they never stopped following that bear. That's a long
2: time to be walking a bear.
3: Do you, know. have, oh, Do you have the mileage long, on that race yeah yeah um i'll have to go back and look at my notes but i think that whole day it was about 19 and mm-hmm. through that forest that is no joke yeah and so they took him up this crazy cliff and they bathed the bear and they had him bayed for this is another thing that just blew me away where, where i'm from where we where they hunt here it's either done on horseback mules or horses and there's really nowhere you can't go like you can get cliffed out in some places in the Gila, but like for the most part of the Sacramento's, but like for most part, it's totally fun. Like if you had a two hour walk, if you had a two mile walk ahead of you, you'd be like, cool, this is going to be a fun jaunt through the woods. And so that's what I'm calibrated for. <clears throat> the dogs had the bear bait for about two hours and they, Lloyd was like, no way we're not going in there. It was a mile and a half from where we were. There's no roads. It was just bushwhacking. And it's deep snow between uh, ankle to hip, deep snow. And he was like, no way we're not going through that because our luck, this is what's going to happen. We're going to spend an hour getting out there to them or more. And then the dogs are going to push the bear away. Cause it's going to mm-hmm. smell us and run or cause we could tell it wasn't treed cause it was bayed because it was in this one spot. And then it would just move like five feet and then stop again and then move like 10 feet and stop again. So he was like, no way we just got to let them push him out of there. And, I'm just like jaw open. Like, I just could not believe that you guys like it's, you just got to sit there and wait. And I'm like pins and needles tense, you know? And yeah, man, we had to wait like two hours until finally they did. They got the bear moving again and pushed him out of this awful cliff country across this huge flat. And luckily by a road, we were able to like drive up and see the dogs. They were and the bear ran across the road. They were still on him. And then they crossed with them and God, it was just, it was epic. I really that's, don't know how else to describe it. That's like the
1: laurel thickets in the Appalachians. I don't know how it compares to what you're looking at. I'm, a, I'm envisioning what I saw in the UP while I was up there hair hunting. But um, uh, apple, down down on the mountains in those laurel thickets and stuff, if they're getting movement out of the bear, there's no sense in charging off in there. You're not going to be able to make headway. And you're just going to burn energy. And by the time you get there, you're going to be behind. So if they're moving, you're always trying to strategize. You're always trying to watch and see which way they're moving it or pushing or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and it could be slow. It could be a walking bay or whatever, but there's no sense in going full commando with a machete and trying to get to them. Cause you're just, you're just wasting your own energy. And, and that was really be hard totally for me
3: to be totally out of Yeah. What's that? That was super hard for me to accept yeah like yeah. i was just like let's go
1: like i'll just oh. run the bear down i'll catch i him. used to do the <laughs> same th- i used to be the same way seth i used to just be like what are we standing here for i didn't come here to list, you know let's get in there
3: let's go get you just can't you can't do it you can't do it we tried in a way because one of the one of the roads so so uh they 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 that super epic race they pushed the bear up into the high country like way up into the mountains and it was where all their dens are and so lloyd knows like all this country and he was just like okay uh they push him up in this high area they have him baited. he's like i think it probably went into a den so we need to go up there and get the dogs and so we went on this epic hike and we were on a road between ankle and hip deep snow it was so exhausting and again i'm not a wee no snowshoes dude i was wearing my desert camp i was wearing my desert hiking boots yo it was horrible. And Why didn't I?
2: you buy new shoes for this? Listen,
3: hear me out. Everyone that's shaking their head going death. <laughs> are you a noob? No, I hike for a living. Here's what happened. Uh I like the same boots expecting... you kicked a
2: raccoon with.
3: No, I was wearing sandals. I was wearing I was wearing these when I stepped on the raccoon. Oh, okay. Um yeah. And so um <laughs> uh no, uh what happened was I was expecting rain the whole time and uh i did not expect us to be hunting at such high elevation and i'm honestly and i'm just gonna be straight up there was just an element of just kind of degaffing. like i was just like i'm just gonna deal with it you know i can't i was three weeks before my trip i'm not gonna buy a new pair of boots and get all blistered up trying to break them in three weeks before my trip i was like i'm just gonna deal with it i'm just gonna man up and deal with it wet feet if you're complaining about wet feet you're just being a little punk like it's fine however hip deep snow Is a lot different than just wet feet. And probably uh,
2: didn't have gators. I was just going to say, didn't have gators. Like I got stuff before we went to Arizona for the Freedom Hunters hunt and just fine.
3: Yeah. uh, (laughs) So I don't even, I never even heard of gators before this. And so. (laughs) Oh,
2: Lord. We've mentioned them before.
3: I live in a place that rains eight inches a year. You know what I mean? You can't even find gators here. And so I was just like, whatever, I'm just going to deal with it. My wife was like, you're making a mistake. And I was like, what do you know, women? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, you're probably right, but I'm just going to deal with it. So I did and I didn't say anything. But patrons, stay tuned. If you like looking at crazy haggard feet, I took a picture of my feet after we got back to the truck from that hike. And yo,
2: is that what Patreon is going to turn into a feet pic thing?
3: <laughs> it's, just one, it's just one clip but yo it was gnarly when the when the blood started returning they were completely numb my feet were just like stumps i was just walking on numb stumps and uh when i got back to the truck and the blood started returning to my feet it hurt a lot it really sucked <laughs> so yeah anyway um that was the only time luckily hunters leave a lot of stuff behind and there was a perfect pair of broken in waterproof hiking boots that fit me perfectly so it was an no active- kidding bear providence so that's what i wore for the rest of the trip (laughs) did anybody loan you some gators no i you know after after um that horrible snow hike uh we just made sure to stay in the low country and it wasn't a problem at all so it was just that one day that the cold feet really sucked (laughs) but anyway yeah uh it was a great time and i have a a huge love of bear hunting with hounds now it was it was unreal. There was so much more that happened. Epic stuff. I, we treat a bear in this, they call them cottonwood trees. It looked kind of more like an Aspen to me, but they call them cottonwood. So I'm going to call it a cottonwood. We treat this bear in this cottonwood tree. That's like 50 feet tall. And this tree is like one of the biggest trees I've ever come near. And I, <laughs> Lloyd put his arms around this tree and he like barely made it like a quarter of a way around this thing stump. And I was just like, this is crazy.
2: You're and, like and trees. What What are trees? I don't know. You have
1: had to have been around bigger trees when you're back here in Kentucky, when you're in
3: Kentucky. I don't, maybe not, maybe, but I don't, I didn't take notice of them because there wasn't a bear inside of them, dude. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And so it was amazing too. The last day was, oh man, I, you know, I patrons are going to love the video because like I, I, I was like. The last day, I wanted to make it more of like an, a a, a first-person or maybe even like a third-person kind of narration of this entire race. We jumped. Dude, Lloyd's such a beast. He was like, there's going to be a bear at, my, at kilometer marker 26. And we drive right to it. Boom. The dogs start rigging immediately. He and, had
1: cameras out. He had oh, cell phone cameras.
3: Oh, dude. I had my GoPro stuck to my head. I had a I had a red mark on my head that lasted for like four days after my trip because I, I wore my GoPro like nonstop. And so um, I got GoPro footage of every walk up from the start to the end. I got GoPro footage of every shot when the bear coming out of the tree. I, it's all for the, it's all out there. So anyway, um, Lloyd's like the bear's close. I know he is. He was probably out here grazing when the dogs were rigging and he ran into the woods. So we turn everyone loose because the whole box is just like, boom, 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 like shaking. And so we had a box shaker, dude, that was legit. My heart could have just jumped out of my mouth right there. Like it was so exciting. So he just opens the doors and the dogs just storm out. The hounds instantly find the trail and Gomer is just gone. Like he just like bolts into the forest, like full speed. And within about 20 seconds, he's already barking. He's right behind the bear. And uh, the race never got farther than 300 meters from the road and paralleled along the road kind of like our ditch our ditch race lauren how the queen was just going back and forth that's how the bear was it would like run down the road like a mile turn around and come back and like work its way across and i could hear everything at one point the race was like 20 yards from the road and so i could hear the bear like crash by and then you could hear a gomer like pitter pattering behind him and then you'd hear the hounds coming Oh, the <laughs> pass, and then we'd like creep down the road farther, and then like listen to it all over again. It was, it was incredible. Like
2: <laughs> it you're was so, so hyped up. I love watching you like this excited. I know it's fun. Just I love
1: yeah. it. Just watching you tell this story.
3: So I'm I'm sparing the listeners my exuberant acting, but like yeah, there's just no way to. I, I was leaning over the truck. I like set out of the truck and set on the window <laughs> ledge. And I like leaned over the roof, had my GoPro on and my cell phone, and I was filming this. And you can like hear the hounds. And I was like, Seth, don't talk, don't talk, because like every time you talk with your when you're filming, your voice is super loud. And I was like, they see the bear, like all super
2: quiet. <laughs> didn't like
3: overpower the hounds like barking as they run by. Oh man, it was incredible. I love um, it's and-
2: like a it's like a train like coming by. and like you you're hearing like maybe there's one car that's like really wonky and has like cars in it that's louder than the rest of them or something it's like yeah it's like a train race it's crazy
3: what's cool too lauren i learned so much from your dogs too is like i was really i had a lot of time to learn and obviously since you're a friend it was it was a lot more casual but it's incredible how quickly you can learn each individual dog's vocal like Language, right? Like every every hound sounds different, and every hound has that unique vocabulary of like what's happening in front mm-hmm. of him. And it was amazing how quickly I could pick up on each hound of the three and be like, oh, that's Willow, oh, that's Tui, oh, that's Chappie. And what I thought was really rad is that, and I learned this with your dogs first, but then I was able to extrapolate that to these dogs quickly. Their bark changes from every stage of the race. And so what was really cool is like, and then and then spicing Gomer into the pack also gives you a lot more validation and training to that ear, because the hounds would start this cold trail and start baying, and then they'd be moving down the track, and you could see how fast they're moving on the Garmin. And then when they saw the bear, I mean, just like everything changed, and the mm-hmm. energy level just explodes. You know, the 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 sound of their bark, especially that blue tick, it almost has like a vibrato to it. Like when he sees the bear, it's like, like yeah. I don't know how to feel- Yep. It's like a wobble almost
2: Cedar gets like that
3: yeah, and man, I w- Chappie. He sounded like a roar, like when he barked, and and when he'd see that bear in the video, I I was filming with my cell phone and the GoPro, and I was like, they see the bear, like I was <laughs>
2: excited, like <laughs> like I buddy, it, it yep,
3: came out of my voice, you know, <laughs> because when when you could see on the you could see on the Garmin, Lloyd had one of those Garmin that linked to your your tracking device, your handheld, and it has a screen that mounts to your truck. It's called a drive, and drive track. track, yeah, yeah, that, and <laughs> so, um, uh you could see all the action happening is this Whoa. guy <laughs> it, it was amazing to have that because it really immersed the non hunting guys that don't really know anything yes. in the hunt they could, yeah. yes. it's way easier than like
2: crew. trying to pass a handheld around, and be like, yeah. see, and then you're looking at like a tiny little screen and a tiny part of the forest, yeah, yeah.
3: And so it was really cool to observe that happening. But what I was doing is, man, and again, I'm just, it's just who I am. But, like, I would be, like, leaning outside the truck, and I'd be listening to the action. Then I would, like, peek in, see the screen, see what's happening, and then just, like, pop up and listen again to, like. I wish people
1: could see your body movement. Yeah. That,
3: that was so <laughs> awesome. Figure out what was happening, like, what I'm listening to, what's happening. And it was so cool to just, like, have that combination of Hound and Carillion. Uh, yeah man when when the hounds find tui tui and willow are litter mates. they're two black and tans and they're unlike any black and tan i've ever seen all the black and tans i've ever seen are like really tall and lean like a almost like a pointer like they're really super athletic looking Mm. these Hmm. black and tans were like bricks they were just like like big
2: square dogs
3: yeah they were like Really, really heavy—not—not not fat, just like big. Yeah, yeah. And Muscular like, and heavy boned, and yeah, the male almost looked yeah. like a Rottweiler with like a jellyfish face. You know what I mean? Just like, <laughs> like, like baggy skin, and so they were—they tra- trailed really slow. Which was crazy. They didn't really make losses very much, but they, they were stacked up to each other and they just moved on the Garmin as like two arrows just like perfectly together. So like, and then
2: Gomer's like the, the forward insurance policy and they're like the backward insurance policy, not backwards, yeah. but like, if he if Gomer's not there, they're their insurance policy to make sure that that track is right.
3: Yeah. And since Gomer, um, was running so fast, sometimes he would overrun the track and you would see him like make a loss and come back. Cause it's all by air. He's winding it all. He's drifting the track. And it was really cool to see the bear run across the road. And we just sit there and patiently wait. And you would see Gomer would always be running on the downwind side of the track and he'd be like running with his head up and he's just flooring it through the forest And it was just so cool to see. Anyway, so Chappie was kind of in between the two. The blue tick, he would move the track much quicker than the black and tans. And I think he... Well, I know he was keying into Gomer's voice. Every time Gomer would open up with this like barrage of yappy barks that he makes, Chappie would floor it up the track. And then when Mm -hmm. you go silent, he would start grinding along like a normal hound and then move down quickly when Gomer barked. And I really liked that brain. You know what I mean? I, I, I really thought that was like really intelligent of Chappie to do that. And I was like, You're gonna, people yeah. have seen my
1: boxer Roxy, the rig dog, but, uh, she does the same thing. When I take her coon hunting, when I first started hunting, she would, she just throw a fit at the house. I had to start taking her. And then it became like a novelty thing. People would be like, you got a boxer in the truck. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then I started taking her bear hunting, but she'll do the same thing. She'll take off with the hounds event at the initial turn loose. She'll be gone maybe four to five minutes, and then she'll come back and she'll hang out. And she's constantly listening, listening, listening. And then, boom, once the dogs locate, she knows when the dogs locate in tree because she leaves me. And then she meets me at the tree. I don't see her again until I get to the tree. And she'll be at
3: the tree with the rest of the dogs. It's amazing what these dogs can learn. Absolutely. And what was cool is when we caught Gomer occasionally, to let him rest because he was so hot and tired. What was really cool is that one time they had the bear at a bay and, um, the, the two black and tans were slow and Chappie was ahead and, and was up right behind the bear. We like got up as close as we could and we just let Gomer out and he just, I mean, barrels up to the tree and the speed at the most astounding thing you guys is how quickly a dog can move through that forest and, and, he got up to the bay, and, and and as soon as he arrived, that extra pressure of just one more dog got that bear moving. Mm. And and that was cool because that's what we needed. It was just holed up in a horrible place. And, uh, yeah, it was. Cleve,
1: Cleve Dwyer did that. We did that podcast with Cleve on the dynamics, you know, putting together a, a pack. And he calls those dogs that, you know, stay in the back his anchor dogs. Mm-hmm. When everything else blows up and maybe there's a track loss or whatever happens, you know, they're, they're slow and steady, bringing up the rear. They're going to, they're going to get it figured out and get everybody lined back out. And we're here to catch bears. I,
2: I had to explain to like people in West Virginia that I was fishing with. So they weren't hound hunters like about my pack and why I have so many dogs and all the parts that they play. I'm like, well, it's kind of like putting together a hockey team or like a soccer team. And I've got my right wing and my left wing and my goalie and my center and they all play their part.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool to see that teamwork. And, you know, it all, every that's the beauty of dogs. You know, they're, they're a team amongst themselves. And then you add our element into it of giving them a hand with our like superior intelligence. I think it's just a beautiful thing. And you you look in that forest and you just, you can't even imagine there's a bear there. There's a bear right off the side of the road and you would have missed him yeah, there's a bear right there on Chris's screen looking at me. a cane <laughs> bear. <laughs> yeah, I just it was it was so awesome. And we took a we took one of our warriors with us, and uh, his name was Matt, and i'm gonna I recorded with him, but I had some mic issues that I didn't even realize. And so I'm gonna re-record everyone. But he was super insightful. He's a passionate elk hunter, and he really wanted to come with the hound crew. and he had a super exciting day with the dogs. And it was really cool to kind of like see that that light kind of turn on with somebody. And and one of the things he, even though I'd said this like 15 times, everybody thinks you just drop the tailgate. They run out there and magically tree a bear in like 10 minutes. Every time they think it happens
2: super easily. And
3: yeah. He was there for our first bear. We treat was three hour race. The second bear was nine hours. So the dogs did 12 hours of hunting that day. And yeah. he was just floored at how difficult hound hunting actually is, you know, especially in a place like that. I don't get that
1: mindset that certain groups of hunters have when they're they come out and they talk about hound hunting not being fair chase, but they're perfectly or us happy. being lazy, or but they're perfectly happy getting a side by side ride out to a tree stand and sitting over a barrel full of Twinkies to shoot a bear, um, and that's fine if that's your gig. I'm not knocking you for it. All I'm saying is. Unless you've followed hounds on races like Seth just talked about,
3: keep your trap shut. You have no idea what you're saying. Can I, I want to interject one more time with something else that really blew me away. So yeah, absolutely. Lloyd did not use shock collars, which I found really interesting. He only uses the T fives without the shock ability. Yeah. And the reason he says that is he's like, I'm just not comfortable shocking a dog that's out of my sight. He's like, I'm not comfortable shocking a dog. He, Lloyd well, for was for one thing. Humble. For one thing, they're e
1: collars, and you're you're training and you're sending stimulation to correct bad behavior.
3: We're not shocking dogs, right? Yeah, nomenclature error. I apologize. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he trying should, to change like, the culture here, Seth. Yes, yes. I, my apologies, world. It's a, a a training aid that I also use often. My dogs are huge <laughs> with these. so if you can use it on my dogs. Any dog can use it. So here's the thing. Uh, Lloyd has not been running dogs very long. And so, and I really admired him for his, uh, his humble honesty, but he's just like, I'm not there at that point where I feel like I can make those calls at long range to, to, to stem them off a track. And so he's like, it's much easier for them to just come back. And so one thing he does, and this, this really impressed me immensely, both of the dogs and of him And that nine hour race, the dogs took the bear across another road and we just couldn't keep up even, even on the road in the snow, we just could not keep up. It was just too, too hard going. And uh, the dogs were just moving too quickly, even eight hours in. And so, uh, what we did is we intersected where the dogs crossed the snowy road and we just stomped around there, walked around a bunch in that little area on the road. And then we got on our track and we walked out exactly how we walked in. And he's like, we're going to give them an out track because if they, they followed their own track, hounds also amazing when they're lost, they just follow their own out track back mm-hmm. to come back you turn them out. That mm-hmm. is incredible. And I Even saw that as happen. as puppies. Yeah, that's amazing.
2: Puppies. Yeah, that's how they learn to track. Is usually
3: going backwards
2: on their own or someone else, some other dog's track.
3: Yeah, that was amazing. I saw it happen all the time. But if they would have followed their out track, they would have had a, they would have had ten miles to go to where we turned them out through like horrible steep country. Or they could have followed our out track and had only a mile and a half to get back to the truck. So we we were and and Lloyd was like, we just got to leave them. We just got to um, uh, let them do their thing. They will give up, and if not, we'll just leave them out overnight and come pick them up which I also admired of him. He wasn't freaking out. I, he, the Karelian bear dog could survive in like negative 5 million degrees, and the hounds were really hairy too, so they could do it. But it was summer, right? So they're yeah. fine. So we leave, go back to the truck. We're watching the Garmins. Eventually, and luckily for us, they give up relatively quickly, quickly, only nine hours into the chase. They finally give up. They'd been behind the bear for six hours, and they start coming back out on their out track. And as soon as they hit the road. Back track. Yeah, what I say? Out track? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Their backtrack. <laughs> yeah. So when they get on their backtrack back to the road, first one there is Gomer and you can see him like start kind of milling around and then his arrow just flooring it down our track. And I was like, yes, good boy, Gomer. And then Willow came up, same thing. She cut the hounds got there at all the same time and they all kind of milled around. And then they just took our out track and they followed it all the way back to the pickup. And that was so cool. Like, I just could not believe how relieving yeah, and how cool that is that they're like, wait, the humans are right here. Let's just follow them out instead. And, and instead of taking their track. So got, they, they came yeah. all the way back. That, that kind of happened
2: amazing. to me in Colorado. So I just, when I think it was another podcast I was like, well, what did you learn about your dogs? And I'm like, well, just learn to trust your dogs. Like they'll end up at the road or they'll end up back at the truck or whatever. Like they'll figure it out. <laughs> That dog is—he's got his—I don't even know what that dog's name is. That it's
3: yeah. tough. It's, it's tough. tough. Chris, it's tough. has got tough out. He's showing out his new dog, and and Uh-oh. his screen name right now is Yogman. I think Chris <laughs> may be converting here. <laughs> yeah. Are you becoming uh, a terrier guy, Chris?
1: Uh I do like this terrier a lot.
3: I wanna—that's like, something I'd really like to experience next. But I—I—I I, I, I am totally blown away at, at how fun tree dogs are I, yeah. i'm going to be very honest i i loved it it was a, it was amazing What's well, let so uh,
1: i want to talk about like the freedom hunters part of it obviously freedom hunters put our hunters in a premier spot and uh how did 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 you have any conversation with lloyd about uh or the outfitters about their experience with Freedom Hunters
3: or any yeah, of that part I, of it. Go ahead. Yeah, I did. I did. And um, first of all, Lloyd said that the group that we were with was one of the best groups he had. And I agree. Everyone there was super cool. Everyone was respectful, nice, and helpful. And uh, they all were, you know, pleasant people. No one was, you know, crappy. But Lloyd said that, you know, they, they really enjoy teaming up with Anthony and he, you know, Lloyd is really soft-spoken, so I didn't want to pry into him too much on, on everything. But, uh, yeah, he, he said that he really enjoyed teaming up with freedom hunters and giving these opportunities to people that otherwise would never have this chance. And that hunt in British Columbia is really uniquely suited for that clientele. Um, it's high action. It's, um, it's accessible if you're hunting spot and stock. So it's accessible particular to wounded warriors. There was a guy who had one arm with a crossbow and he was able to get a bear with one arm, which was mm-hmm. like credible. And so, uh, you know, it's just a great way to, uh, several of our hunters in our group were all new hunters. They'd never hunted before ever.
1: Really? Wow. Like,
3: a lot of the guys were super experienced hunters and they're like, it sucks for you. Cause you've just started up here. You know what I mean? You've- no kidding. So you, how many, how many had never hunted before? Do two. you think two, two of them? Okay. Two never hunted before ever. did they uh, did they mention why they chose
2: they know how to like shoot a gun
3: um yes knew how to shoot a gun and yes mentioned um one of them was really nice um i am so sorry buddy i cannot remember your name right off the bat i have to go back uh but he's just like you know i just want to get more in touch with my food and uh he's like i just want to be more apart connected with my food and america has such awesome um opportunities to hunt and so he was Mm -hmm. just getting in for the draw this year and then freedom hunters called him and so he didn't even know that was going to happen and then when freedom hunters reached out to him he was like oh my gosh like of course and what an yeah. awesome learning experience too because he got an outfitter to to take him out for his first time so you could watch a perceptive person could watch and learn and see a lot of the mannerisms and behaviors of your guide and emulate that when he heads out on his own this year and yeah he every every off. freedom hunters adventure is with experienced
1: hunters, you know, and everyone that I've been on, people have been very receptive to, uh, the hunters have been very receptive to teaching and talking about what you're doing and and things like that. So for our veterans out there, if you're a veteran and you're listening to this podcast, you can apply at freedomhunters.org and fill out the application Your name will go in a database And as an adventure comes up That that Anthony and he and I will talk about um, The demands of the hunt The style of the hunt Things like that That's what we do with freedom hunters On these hound adventures Is we help coordinate We don't want to put someone In a bad situation for them So we always talk about You know, let's talk about the dynamics. Let's talk about the demands. Let's talk about the capabilities. Certain hunts, um, it's very difficult to put someone in there that has disabilities or, you know, physical challenges that are going to hinder their their experience, you know. So we try to do that every time. But you go to freedomhunters.org and you fill out an application if you want to host an event it's just as easy contact me or you contact freedomhunters uh at freedomhunters.org and say hey I want to do one I want to I want to host some veterans
3: yeah and I and I'm not just saying if if one thing everyone's going to learn about me if I don't like something I just don't talk <laughs> which is weird to imagine but I cannot speak highly enough of Babine guide outfitters they were just the professionalism was just unbelievable i i the the amount of skill processing the bears everything was salted and turned out beautifully i sat down and learned a lot from them because i'm not really good at skinning carnivores and so um they they also you know handled all the meat but the cooking was excellent the atmosphere is excellent i'm gonna return to go salmon fishing with my wife Uh, oh that's cool yeah so they host trapping they guide trappers they guide um they do like a trapping, outfitting, guide thing, and then they also do salmon fishing. Then I caught my first... This is... Okay, everyone can laugh at me right now, but I've caught only two fish in my entire life before I went to Canada. I caught... One time, I caught a, tra, a catfish, super-duper drunk, and... The catfish was... barehanded
2: handed or on a line?
3: <laughs> uh, on a line. Because i <laughs> I didn't know fishing was anything but just like throwing a stinky chicken liver in the water and catching a catfish. You know what I mean? And then you can't eat them where I live because they're so polluted. So you just let them go, right? And then I caught a I caught a rainbow trout when I I got my fir- – I have two degrees. My first degree is in fish biology, and uh, I used to work for the Apache Nation and working for their like um, uh, fish restoration program of native fishes. And I went fly fishing with one of the fish biologists I worked with. And I cast my fly in. This is not a really virgin creek that no one ever fishes in. So the fish are really dumb. I throw my fly in. I caught a rainbow trout that was like four inches long, but I didn't even know it. And I kept whipping my fly oh, no. like back and forth. And there was a fish <laughs> on my fly.
2: <laughs> and the,
3: the guy that was with me, he was an Idaho dude. He's from Idaho. He's like, there's a fish on there. I was like, what? No. And I slapped it back down on the water. He's like, bah. like, swam away. So those and you're are like, trying to you're trying to restore native fish and you're catching rainbow trout. No, no, I that's what we're we're removing them, son. Yeah, so yeah. that one got a whip lashing doom. You know what I mean? But anyway, so we went fishing and I caught a 22 inch lake trout. That was rad. Yeah. And then I caught yeah, and then I caught three rainbow trout just from the dock, just like casting in my night crawlers. We had a a great Canadian worm hunt where we caught some night crawlers. That's way harder than you think catching night crawlers. <laughs> and uh, I caught a Magnum nightcrawler, guys. I got a grip and grin with him and everything. <laughs> oh, Super awesome. Magnum. <laughs>
2: oh. And so
3: I caught a rainbow trout with him. So, anyway, yeah, it was, uh, I caught more fish in one day than I'd caught in the past 32 years of existence. So that was cool. Um, yeah. Did you too. eat any of them? Yeah. So that's the thing. You were talking about a fresh fish fry earlier. Yeah. Dude, yes. That's my first time ever having fresh fish, too. Straight out of the water. No Boy, kidding, beast. Yeah, dude, they're so no, cool. Who, yeah. who eats fish here? There's only like there, there's no standing body of water around me for sixty miles. And I'm any not direction. dissing you for yeah. it
2: easy there, trigger. I had I'm fresh fish. It's
1: cool that you got so many cool first time
3: experiences,
2: man. I had this- fresh fish maybe the same time you were eating fresh fish. So we were yeah. maybe eating trout at the same time in different locations.
3: Yeah, it was uh, the it was so delicious. I mean, Lauren, you know this, but I'm the least picky person in the history of the world. You could have served me like dumpster marmot or something and I would have been like, "Yep, let's <laughs> eat it." But but I was it was just so delicious. We okay, have you guys ever eaten a ling cod before? Never. No. They're called also burbot, but they're like a bottom dwelling catfish like burbot, but they're not really a catfish. It they live in the ocean? No, freshwater. Oh, they okay. live in the lake. And they have this, like, very mild, tender, white flesh. And they're really highly prized. They are delicious. And you just, like, put this, like, bottom-dwelling hook on the, obviously on the bottom of the lake. And um, you just leave it overnight. And then you roll up all these ling baits. And you catch ling cod. And they are amazing. And it was really cool to have pro, like, really badass guides because they can process the fish quickly. Um, It was really cool to watch Lloyd break the fish down. Uh, and i was just learning you know and then he fried him up right there i caught it and then an hour later we all ate it it was really cool it was really cool it was a a, a total uh a total um total first experiences and it was awesome to be in the company of such awesome uh, veterans you guys freedom hunters is putting on these amazing experiences for people no matter what level of hunter you are if you're a beginning hunter like a person who's literally never hunted before, or some of these guys have been hunting for decades. Yeah. Freedom hunters like gets these people out to experience something brand new and lets some dorky little nerd from New Mexico like run around with them.
2: Experience so. of a lifetime. That's freedom hunters, sure. you for rock. Everybody.
3: Anthony, thank you so much. I can't wait for the next one.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've never been on a bad adventure with freedom hunters. We always have a good time. And like I said earlier, all you gotta do is go to freedomhunters.org and um Either get involved and get these veteran. I mean, I've literally had veterans tell me at the end of the weekend, it's like, this is the best thing that I've done
3: in six months. You I know, heard they, that from every person there. We, we, they, we had they, a candid talk. I tried to have a candid talk with every one of them. And every one of those veterans said that this was one of the most refreshing things that they had done in a long time. Yeah, they come back to a lot of times and
1: I don't want to make, make it sound like veterans are victims. They're not, they're not victims. It's, it's a deal where when you come back from a deployment and all of a sudden you're separated from all the people that you spent the last year of your life with and had so many experiences with, who do you share that with? You can't, you can't go to the family cookout and talk about the IED that exploded and expect people to understand that. So who do you talk to about it? There's nobody for you to share that with. And so you internalize and and you feel like you have nothing in common with other people. So getting these veterans out to experience things like this is so valuable. It's And it's something that is easy to do and we can all do it.
3: I took great joy in just watching the camaraderie among the six veterans talking to each other. I didn't yeah. say a peep i just sat there and listened it was really cool great stories and you could tell that there was a lot of warmth and of course a lot of the inner service joking <laughs> oh I yeah a lot of jokes i'd never heard before a lot of them are really good too were
2: they all us servicemen or was it like canadian servicemen too
3: there can be both for this group but if this was all american
2: okay yep
1: good Very job cool. seth man i i appreciate you going up and representing the Houndsman xp and freedom honors on this adventure um thank you. <laughs> I mean it's I knew you'd do a great job and I knew you'd eat it up and oh. I knew you'd have great stories when you came back. So
3: well, I'm glad I delivered on those. I was just just doing me to the maximum, and man, <laughs> it was just a trip of firsts, and I was definitely um very much aware of that and trying to uh yeah. We sure. could talk for hours, but I got two questions. Yep. Did you
1: see any grizzly?
3: Did you see any grizzly? I did. I saw a grizzly. Uh, I saw a grizzly across to the lake and what had happened was after we had harvested a bear, uh, we, you know, gutted the bear and removed it from the forest, brought it to the boat. We got back to the boat. We got back to the, to the lodge. I looked across the lake and about 15 minutes had passed. And this about, I don't know, Lloyd estimated it to be between six and 800 pounds Walked this huge grizzly bear, like walked out and walked straight to the gut pile. And just started devouring the guts. Wow. Like 20 minutes after we left. Yeah. So it was kind of creepy to be like, there was a grizzly bear right there. The yeah. whole time. Kind and sitting uh, back watching, big
2: it. nope for me. Dude, they are <laughs> so intimidating. Yeah. Oh my god. Big nope.
3: Yeah, so yes, I did get to see a grizzly. And one of our hunters got to see a grizzly bear right on the side of the road. I saw lots of grizzly tracks. Patrons stay tuned. I post a picture. I got a size 10 and a half foot. And I put my foot up next to a grizzly track that's bigger than my foot. And Lloyd was like, that's a big bear. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like, yeah.
3: Yeah. The other question is,
1: did you see any signs of Bigfoot?
3: Uh, my friend Darren wasn't there. So no Sasquatches <laughs> to be seen. My friend Darren is probably one of the hairiest people I've ever known in my life.
2: And that's, so, where all the, that's
1: where all the old Sasquatch videos came from up there in that Northwest country. Yeah. You know? Apparently. Yeah. In Southern Canada. <laughs> Apparently I there was him.
2: a shirt at the gift shop in West Virginia that said like "gone squatching." <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe West someone Virginia needs to watch. Yeah, apparently it's a That's thing. Like
3: it's like a East Coast New Mexico tweaker brethren just tearing
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: through the woods.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. so
1: again, think, Seth, thanks for coming back and sharing the stories. Oh, we need to we need guys. to wrap thank this you. one up and and uh, thank you, Freedom Hunters, for doing everything you do. But then. Also inviting us to tag along.
3: Pretty Couldn't cool. agree more. Thank Pretty you for cool. hunters. You guys are awesome. All right.
2: Looking Until forward to hearing time. on Patreon.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. Tune into Patreon.
1: Fun. I put i I've been plugging Patreon on the podcast lately. And um yep, Seth is working hard. You can reach out to Seth if you're having any problems on Patreon. Yes, so, reach
3: out to me. Yes.
1: That's seth.houndsmanxp at gmail.com. You can also find me
3: on Facebook Messenger. I reply well there, too.
1: Yeah, and you're putting together all kinds of... I mean, we got a bunch of cool stuff coming. We're we're putting together great prize packages for semi-annual drawing coming up at the end of this month. Yep. We're also doing... Hey, I'm going to plug this while we're still on here. We are doing a giveaway with Go Wild, the social media platform that was designed for hunters. And... Um, we are doing a giveaway with them, and it's real easy. Download the app, start posting on Go Wild, learn how to post. But there's a feature in there when you're creating a post, it will give you several options. Log your time, create a post, and other log your time. And when you log your time, you can log hours of episodes that you spend listening to the Houndsman XP podcast. So let me back up. Go to the app, download the app, create an account, listen to the Houndsman XP podcast, log your hour, your time that you're listening to the podcast on Go Wild. And at the end of June, we're going to take all of those numbers and we're going to put them in a big, big old. We're not going to use the copper dog bowl, Seth. We're actually we might even have a like a random computer drawing. I'm not sure. <laughs> but we're going to draw a name out of that hat. Every time you listen, you get an additional entry in there. And what we're giving away is a Dakota 283 G3 medium kennel. It will be shipped directly to your house. That's almost no cost $400 to you.
2: $400 value.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's a $400 kennel. kennel awesome. So thank you, Go Wild, for, for helping us out with that drawing. All you got to do is log your hours over on Go Wild. And uh, super easy. You got 12 chances in the month of June to get your name in the hat for that five four hundred dollar four hundred dollar kennel pretty
3: sweet. And stay tuned guys the episode, the canada episode on patreon is almost an hour long so there's lots and lots of footage in there yeah you
1: bet all right well guys thanks for tuning in and until next time you follow your hounds and i'll follow mine